And so if you think about the ability of advertising and advertisers to influence consumer behavior, we have a disproportionate impact. And so if you think about how much of consumerism and consumer behavior is influenced by advertising, I bet it's one of the largest factors out there. It's not a future thing, it's now. And everybody needs a plan now because otherwise they're gonna lose money. You know, it used to be cost and cover and now it's cost cover and carbon. Hello and welcome to episode five, season two of the AdPod. Today I'm joined by AdTech legend, and I don't use that term lightly, Brian O'Kelly. And we're going to be talking about sustainable advertising. The overarching goal of sustainability is to create an environment where humans and nature can productively coexist. And maintaining that is one of the biggest challenges this generation and future generations will ever have. This though, of course, is an advertising podcast, and I definitely feel slightly out my depth talking about things like sustainability. But in this podcast, I learned so much. Literally every 15 seconds, I felt like it was something new. Uh, I hope you get the same experience. So all that leads me to say is I hope you enjoy episode five, season two of The Ad Pod. Hey, Brian, welcome to The Ad Pod. How are things? Great, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, really appreciate you coming on. Um, I think most of the listeners will know who you are, but, but for those who don't, would you mind giving a kind of a quick introduction to your career and then what it is you're doing now? Sure. So uh, in 2003, I joined a little ad network called Right Media as a, an engineer and pretty quickly started building out some you know, new ideas around how to do real-time prediction of clicks and conversions and uh, had the idea of auctioning that off on an eCPM basis. So it was the effective CPM. Uh, and that mechanism is the foundation for pretty much all of programmatic advertising these days. Um, another accidental invention was what if two ad networks could bid on each other's inventory in real time, which was the ad exchange. Um, and then we came up with ideas like the SSP and the DSP and the DMP, um, and eventually sold right media to Yahoo and started AppNexus, where we invented header bidding and RTB. And, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history at this point, but the rapid explosion of the programmatic ecosystem really based around those sort of accidental ideas. Um, I had the privilege of having a front row seat to that evolution, seeing firsthand some of the opportunities and the problems, um, things like fraud and privacy and national security, you know, little stuff, disinformation, misinformation, the rise of, you know, extreme media. And now, you know, I take full credit for Elon Musk buying Twitter. That That's my um, <laughs> definitely crowning moment from all of this. Um, after we sold AppNexus to AT&T in 2018, I left um, I've been obsessed with supply chains for a while. I invented something called supply path optimization or SPO uh, back in the day. And so I thought, hey, SPO is cool for digital media. Could we do this in the real world? And I started a company called Waybridge, which was basically going to do some of these digital advertising things in the real world. 
the platform has been incredibly successful. Um, something like a quarter of all copper bought in the US is now managed by Weybridge, uh, recently launched in aluminum. Um, but I realized that my true passion was the sustainability aspect of supply chains and that this was more of a horizontal business than a vertical business. And so had this idea of what if we did sustainability-based optimization in digital advertising, try to make the whole world price in carbon into key decisions, not at the like macro level, but on a per impression basis. Um, you know, I couldn't resist that. And so I founded Scope 3 last year with a bunch of great people and pretty much building out a map of every website, every CTV channel, every mobile app, every billboard, trying to predict and understand the emissions of every single part of the advertising supply chain so that big brands and their agencies can use that data to shift spend to lower the carbon footprint of advertising and influence a huge part of the internet to factor carbon into their decision-making. Basically a virtuous cycle that I think can dramatically lower the footprint of one of the, the major components of global electricity use, which is the internet. That's amazing. So, so it's a passion and expertise and uh, helping the planet all coming together. So it's super interesting to talk about sustainability and specifically in advertising because um, I think sometimes when we hear sustainability, we think about travel and airplanes and um, power stations. But actually, it's, you know, there's so much of uh, how advertising exists is through energy. And I, I mean, I guess where I'd like to start is how do you define sustainable advertising? Like, like what is it? And uh, yeah, I think if you start from there, it'd be great. Yeah, so the, the first thing I would say that kind of blew my mind when I was learning about sustainability is that I kind of always thought that it was my personal use or my company's use of, of energy or fuel that was what we were caring about. Um, if I use less electricity, I turn the lights off when I leave, I recycle stuff, I stop using plastic water bottles, I'm done. But the reality is the money we spend on our vendors and partners on our supply chains is our responsibility. And in the advertising case, that means if you're an agency and you're buying hundreds of billions of dollars of media every year, you're responsible for those companies in your supply chain. So if you're Meta, which you know is a big virtual reality company apparently, um, and you're you know, building headsets for millions of people to watch ads, if I'm an advertiser, and Meta is 100% ad funded, I'm responsible for the carbon footprint of those Meta investments in servers and headsets and rendering and everything else. And so that's a new way of thinking about how interconnected we are as a, as a business ecosystem, but really as a civilization. Like this is one big hyper-connected web. Calling it a supply chain is like, you know, calling it, it's massively understating how deeply interconnected we all are. And that was a mind-blowing moment for me. I was like, whoa, advertising is right in the middle of this. And if advertisers can convince Facebook to change its policies on misinformation and disinformation or, or measurement or anything else, couldn't they also convince Meta to make more of an investment in sustainability? And, and that's just one example. If you multiply that by every publisher and every ad tech company, and everybody in the supply chain, Think of the influence that those hundreds of billions of dollars are having on these companies. 
And I, I joke with people that, you know, publishers are the most revenue focused organizations on the planet. Like they are so good at optimizing their businesses for revenue. If there's revenue to be had and being more sustainable, they will do it. So we have an opportunity, a unique opportunity to go change the way the world factors in sustainability into these key decisions. So it's a, a long prelude to answer your question, which is sustainable advertising is the idea that as a brand, I should be accountable for the upstream and downstream emissions generated by the money I'm spending, investing in advertising. Um, some people will extend that to other sustainability things. There, there's a lot of ESG, environment, social and governance aspects. I'm very narrowly focusing on the, the carbon footprint of advertising because it's easy to measure and it's very easy to translate into really a civilizational risk around climate change. You're talking about hundreds of millions of climate refugees. You're talking about, somebody said quadrillions of dollars of economic damage. You know, this is not something that, you know, I take lightly. And uh, you can question the science, you can talk about, you know, maybe it's not as bad as we think. But if the, if the downside case is that big, I feel like it's not the worst idea to try to address it. And look, if we're wrong, if, if carbon dioxide and methane and other gases aren't as bad as we think, no big deal. But if they are as bad as we're concerned, this is truly a moment where we can have a massive impact. And that's the idea of sustainable advertising making sure that the money we spend in advertising is not increasing the amount of carbon that goes into the atmosphere. Ideally, it's regenerative, that every dollar you invest in advertising is actually pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. That would be amazing. That's, uh, yeah, it's very, I had never thought about the interconnectedness of it and like how it's a constant knock-on effect from company to company, vendor to vendor. And I, I guess the, the next immediate question is, well, how do you how do you measure it? So I imagine that's where companies have challenges today. Like you see a few different types of calculators and ways to kind of estimate, but how do you go about doing that as a company? Yeah, so there's there's like four different components we're looking at, maybe five, depending on how you think about it. But let's just imagine a simple web page. Um, you've got a bunch of content on the page, and you've got a bunch of JavaScript and images and videos and ads and analytics and all these different things. So all this stuff on the page. So the first thing we do is we load that page in a simulated environment and we just look at how much CPU is used um, to actually render the page. And we look at all the network calls that the browser makes and we just count how many bytes are going in and out. And we multiply that by the grid mix of where the, the user physically is. So here in New York, we're about 90% fossil fuel power right now. As we shut down the nuclear reactor that's you know, 25 or 30 miles away, which seemed like a really good idea when you were thinking about it like nuclear leaks, not such a great idea when you think about now all that power is coming from coal. Um, if you're in Vermont, it's very different. There's a lot more wind power. And so Vermont is way less uh, dependent on fossil fuels, especially in the US, you have very different grid in different places. Um, that data transmission may be different if you're on Wi-Fi or if you're on 4G or 5G. Um, there's a bunch of research being done on that. We're using some pretty good estimates. But one thing I'll mention is that we're relying on third-party data here, right? This is not something where I'm personally 
going to power plants, you know, and holding up a carbon meter and registering it, the government in the US and in many countries actually publish a lot of really good data about power and about grids. And so we're licensing that data. Um, so a lot of this, you say, well, how do you know where people are? We license a panel. There's a company called BI Science that has a 5 million user panel that can tell us what kind of device people are on, which sites, which apps, what they're doing. It's really helpful to build a model of, as an example, in Pennsylvania, there's two grids. There's an east grid and a west grid. And most reporting we get just says Pennsylvania. So how do you manage that? Should we do it population weighted? Should we do it based on a panel? There's a lot of data science here that's really important to get right. So that, that's the easy part, what I just told you. The next part is where, let's just take a pre-bid call or a GAM call. Well, we know that's calling into tens of SSPs, maybe more, which are calling other SSPs, are doing bid splitting, um, are potentially running different formats in the same call. They're calling different DSPs. Those DSPs are doing SPO. There's so much complexity in programmatic that we all know about in the industry, but there's no easy way to see that from the browser. And so that's kind of our secret sauce is that we're licensing data sets from a bunch of analytics companies. Um, we're also getting uh, supply chain data from DSPs in certain cases. So the IAB Tech Lab has the supply chain object where every player in the supply chain reports who they are. We'll leverage that if we can get it. And we're just throwing this all into a big machine and saying, this is what we think the ad tech graph looks like for every, every website. We're actually doing that for different layouts. So you might have a homepage layout and then an article layout. You might have different layouts for ad block scenarios or in different countries. We're doing our best to detect those. And then we also work with the publishers to get more information because there's stuff we can't see and won't always know. So we're actually looking for partnerships with anybody who's interested in making our data better. But taking a, a typical graph like that, there might be 600 nodes in it. Um, now we don't know what's happening on those nodes. So when you make a call to, I don't know, index exchange, what happens? Well, most people have no idea. I built a pretty large platform. I kind of know what SSPs do. Um, <laughs> I actually made a spreadsheet one time trying to calculate things like bid split ratios um, across the AppNexus platform, which is one of the things that led to SPO. And so I have a pretty good sense. And we can also get some data from these third parties to kind of guess. So I'll be honest that we're using heuristics where we don't have this. I feel pretty confident that we're close. Um, you might have seen an article on ads last week about Trade Desk turning off um, Google Open Bidding. And a lot of that is based on estimates and heuristics about what's happening because I don't have Google data and I don't have Trade Desk data, but I bet I was pretty close. Um, and so that's the kind of thing where we're building this sort of model of the dark spaces behind ad tech. Um, and every time we partner with a company, we're getting all that data for real. And that makes our model even better. So if I, if I model a three to one ratio of bid splits for index, and then we partner with them, and it turns out they're doing really smart bid throttling, and it's actually 1.1, that's great. We can give them credit for that, and we can make sure that factors into our model. I'm making up all of these names and examples just to be very, very clear. And the last piece, I'm sorry this is such a long explanation, but- no, this, is, this is good. We also want to know about content and ad production costs. So think about filming a, a photo, a, a, I don't know, a, a commercial. 
and you fly a bunch of people out to the desert in Arizona and you drive your cars around and it's amazing. Well, every one of those flights is causing carbon. And so, you know, there's a lot of carbon there. Um, producing content, if you're a journalist, if you're a newspaper, you have a lot of people who are maybe flying on site or who are commuting to work. Um, we look at that as a key part of the overall carbon impact of, of what's happening. And so we can get that from public sustainability reports. So News Corp is a great example. They have a really good sustainability report. So does Actual Springer. Um, so does The Guardian in the UK. And so we have a lot of good examples for newspapers of what this should look like. Meredith did a good one for magazines before they were acquired. So we're picking up anybody who's done this work and we create a model. So we know how many employees companies have, we know how many offices they have, we know what kind of content they produce. And so we can do a pretty good job of guessing. And again, then we partner with the companies to get more accurate data. So everything I just said, we sort of reconcile down to a page view basis for the web and then look at ad slots on the page and divide into a per impression number. Um, for mobile, it's more about engagement time because people aren't typically looking at pages. Um, streams are the same way for CTV. And so we're really just trying to figure out as best we can per ad slot, what are the emissions you'll inherit if you advertise on it? So that's a really complicated explanation. Um, if you, anyone out there listening wants a deck that explains this, just ping me. Um, I have a deck. I have not sent it to a designer. It is not quite ready for public consumption, but I'll share it with anybody who wants to read it. Very open to feedback. Um, but our goal is to make a model that as accurately as possible represents. If you did have a measurement, if you could like wrap all of this in one big carbon collector, trying to say, this is what the environment will actually see uh, in terms of carbon increase from the activities of all these companies. Got you, and I'll um, I'll also include include a link to the um, the Bock on Ads post you did around the trade desk and what that meant. So it's and a really yeah. good it's a really good read, and I think people will really uh, get a greater understanding from that as well. Um, and kind of in all of this sort of early findings you're conducting and the research you're going through, like how bad is the advertising industry, like the impact on climate? Like, is it, I don't know, that's a quite a broad question, but it must be something the industry should be doing more about, but like, you know, how, how big is it in relation to maybe other industries? It's a good question. Um, if you look just at the sort of, upstream impact of, if you took all the advertising and media companies in the world, including Google and Meta and the ad part of Amazon, um, and you put them all together, they are a relatively small part of global emissions. Because if you compare that to you know, natural gas or you compare that to global shipping, um, it's not the biggest you know, portion of the overall footprint. Maybe, a, maybe 1% of overall emissions. Um, it's growing very quickly because digital use is going up. And if you think about things like Netflix, Netflix is not currently in our model because it's not ad supported. <laughs> but guess what? That's coming. And Netflix is a very large consumer of bandwidth. And so I think it's fair to say that it's a, a small but growing number. More importantly is the influence that advertising has on the global economy. I think of advertising as the interface between companies and consumers. Um, it's not the only interface, but it's probably the most powerful. 
And so if you think about the ability of advertising and advertisers to influence consumer behavior, we have a disproportionate impact. And so if you think about how much of consumerism and consumer behavior is influenced by advertising, I bet it's one of the largest factors out there. And so I think my aspiration is to help advertisers, you know, find ways to price their impact and to make good decisions with their spend um, as kind of a, a gateway towards plugging this into more parts of the economy. Yeah, and it's, I, I actually had um, Amy Williams on in series one talking about kind of profit versus purpose. And that's probably the challenge on advertisers or the industry is how do you um, continue to deliver all the impact you want to deliver from your advertising, but do it in the right way. And uh, Amy's answer to the question was, it's not profit or purpose, it's both. And I was like, that's quite a smart way to think about it. You can, you can do both. I think being a bit more proactive with these, uh, these things can be beneficial. Yeah, I think Amy's done a great job of really bringing that idea to the fore that this isn't either or. Mm. The reality is employees are making purpose, you know, an incredibly important part of whether they take a job or stay at a job. Investors are making this a critical component of whether they want to hold a stock or if a PE firm wants to invest in a company. So I think it's gone from, you know, Amy's idea of purpose and profit increasingly to a world where purpose is profit, mm. where if you're not investing in purpose, you're probably going to have serious profit problems down this down the road. And there's a lot of risk associated with this, where, you know, investors are looking at, at ESG metrics, not just as a way of saying, are you good people, but saying, is this company at risk of being boycotted? Is this company at risk of having major employee loss? You know, is this company going to be accused of greenwashing. So these are things that I think are really important for us as humans, but they're actually really increasingly a business imperative, um, especially in B2B, because the B2B supply chain, and that's where all of us in ad tech live, you know, it's one thing to try to convince a billion consumers to choose a different soap. It's not like there's that many agencies or holding companies, you know, and if, if we see, just imagine that people would come out and say, we're going to be net zero by 2030. Think about the ripple effect that would have on every single company in this space. Don't you think every company would have a senior executive calling my cell phone saying, Brian, I need help so that I don't get kicked off of WPP's media plan? Well, guess what? They did. That was last summer. And that's why I'm so busy because it's not a future thing. It's now. And everybody needs a plan now because otherwise they're going to lose money. And so I think that's what's so exciting. And, you know, it's going way faster than I would have thought. Yeah, that, that, was, that was literally my next question was, what is it that's driving this uh, sort of immediacy and urgency now? Is it all those things you just said? Or, um, yeah, interested to know, like, what specifically you think might be creating all of this? I think the biggest catalyst is the investor community saying that, ESG is now something they're factoring into investment decisions. Because if you're a CEO of a company or a board, I mean, you have a major obligation to your shareholders to drive the share price higher. And so if your buyers of shares say, we care, um, that's a big deal. We've seen, this is a 20 year process, right? You have um, people 
at colleges trying to get the endowments to divest fossil fuels. So you've had this as almost like a grassroots movement, but boom, you have the biggest financial institution in the world saying, we care about this and we're gonna use our heft to make it happen. Um, I think Greta was a huge impact, Greta Thunberg, you know, of, of like making this something that was really recognizable to an entire generation as something that they could do, that they could use their voice, they could use their heft. And I think for 20 somethings that I talked to, this is the most important issue everywhere in the world. So I don't know, it, it, it seems like there's probably a lot of catalysts, but this is without a doubt, the most important issue of any company I talked to in Europe, I think exacerbated by Ukraine and the idea that everybody has to wean themselves off of Russian natural gas and oil now. Um, and I think it's a rising tide in the US where you know, it's not going to be very long until this is the most important issue for, for most companies in our space. And do you see much um, difference in approach by country or is it actually quite a global challenge and global solution? Or do you think uh, it might be a bit more nuanced based on where you are in the world? I think it's been pretty different in different markets. Um, I think the UK has a huge advantage because COP26, the big climate conference was in Glasgow last year. And so I think a lot of companies in the UK were thinking like, what can we do? And we saw AdNet Zero formed there. We saw a lot of companies really make this front and center. And the, the UK is kind of a disproportionate influence in advertising because there's so much um, holding company activity there. Uh, and I think they've done an amazing job um, big credit to the UK Ad Association, to ISBA especially, for really coming out ahead on some of these issues. The WFA has also been incredibly influential, and that's more, I think, in Europe than here. Um, but the, the Planet Pledge, and they have a new sustainability uh, project they're doing. So big credit to them. But I think also it's, it's regional in that Australia has had just constant climate challenges. Um, this is probably not accurate, but I'm pretty sure that a couple weeks ago, parts of Australia were underwater and other parts were on fire. And I think if that were your continent, you'd be pretty darn concerned about climate. And it's been something that's top of mind for big publishers. It's been top of mind for big agencies and brands. Their mindset has been, let's find solutions, which I really admire. Um, France has had a lot of work going on. I feel like France is like more scientific than everybody else. Like they have great research and papers on like how to measure this and what to do. And there's some really great local companies doing measurement, um, but a much more like engineering approach to this than the rah-rah industry approach of the UK. Um, I might be mischaracterizing everybody. And then I think Germany, like often happens, like all the German people that mattered seem to have gotten together and figured something out. And it's very German and nobody else really understands it. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to going to Germany this summer and trying to figure it out. Um, but I really respect that they're all acting in very real ways to do something. I think the U.S. is the least organized. Um, I know the ANA has a big project they're doing with Adweek and sustainable brands. Um, it feels like that's focused more on education, which is a very, very cool, important way to focus on this. I feel more urgency. I feel like we have to educate and act. And so maybe I'm just, you know, eager to get this going. Um, the 4A's had their first sustainability conference, I think, last week. So we're seeing it. 
but it really is different market by market. And I think it's going to be driven by the brands and the agencies that really care about this um, and want to make this a global mission. Yeah. And, you know, this podcast gets listened to by a few of those brands, a few of those agencies and uh, ad tech stakeholders in general is what can they do to kind of either progress or start their journey in being sort of a more sustainable industry? Where do you go? Where do you go? Well, first of all, let me apologize. I'm pretty sure I just offended everyone in all those countries. So I apologize. <laughs> um, I would say that every holding company is already on this journey in one way or another. Um, I think the challenge is getting that to translate into all the people that are actually working every single day in, let's say, programmatic. Um, and I think we've seen a lot of carbon calculators built, which is great. Those are mainly at the channel level. They need to be at the publisher level to have any real impact. They need to be on every single plan and on every single um, campaign from a measurement perspective. And so I think that's the biggest question is as an agency or holding company or brand, how are you going to get this to be universal? This data has to be ubiquitous and it has to be part of every decision. You can decide if it's more or less important than your other KPIs. So someone smart I talked to said, you know, it used to be cost and cover, and now it's cost, cover, and carbon. I love that. And I think that's exactly the level of impact this needs to have. I think every company should write a plan for how they're going to measure every single impression they serve across every channel. And that by the end of this year, every impression should be measured and every plan should have that cost, cover, carbon mindset. Next year, we can work on reduction. We can work on partnering with publishers and platforms to drive reduction. Um, if you're at any of those companies, now is the time to act, to think about how you can reduce your carbon footprint. How can you offer green media products? Right now is when we have to actually do something. I recognize it will take a little bit of time to get it all done, but it's too late to make a plan next year. The plan has to start now and we need to be pretty fully implemented next year if we want to hit those aggressive 2025 and 2030 goals. Yeah, I think that's an amazing uh, call to action and um, conscious of your time. And this podcast gets listened to from uh, people across the industry. And I think we've covered so much. And it's been very um, informative um, and uh, tons of amazing kind of content and, and education here. Um, where can listeners find out more, you know, ongoing after this podcast, they close down this podcast app, where can they go to sort of find out a bit more? I will say that we've been kind of overwhelmed by inbound and have not done the best job at like updating our website. Um, but please just reach out to me. I'm B.O. Kelly at scope3.com. You can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, back on ads, all kinds of places. That's super easy. I will route you to the right folks. We've got a bunch of partners that are starting to integrate our data. So keep an eye on all of those partnerships because it's a really easy way to activate. So I think that's going to be a big focus for us over the next six months is trying to get our data lit up in as many places as we can. Um, and yeah, just anywhere on the internet, you should be able to find some way to get to me. And that's the best way to do it. Amazing. Thanks so much, Brian. I really appreciate you coming on the AppPod. Thanks so much for having me. It was awesome. Well, that's it for another episode of the App Pod. 
sometimes I think when we're in our own little bubbles, we can forget how impactful we can be individually, let alone collectively and as an industry. And I thought Brian spoke so brilliantly about that, about how if we can all work together, we can make the advertising industry to be more responsible around things such as climate change. Anyway, thanks for listening. Please subscribe and share if you enjoy the podcast. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. 